Um, I think I think kind of. Okay. Um, I think that it's kind of weird for me to think about it sometimes. Um, just because, and I, I mean, I mean, y'all can't see him, but my homie Gabe is over here in the back. You shout know? out to Gabe. Shout out to Gabe, you know. Uh, and I've had conversations with him, especially at like, we'll go like out to dinner or something after church. And, um, I remember a specific conversation where he talked about what is your testimony? I was like, oh, I don't really feel like mine is that special. Welcome to Christ is All podcast hosted by me, Elonzo Davis with Christ in All Ministry. And today we are back with podcast episode number five, Malvi, no, not Malvi, oh yeah, we have Brittany, then Malcolm. Actually, this is podcast, we're back with podcast episode number four. And so we have a very special guest. And so without further ado, I want to introduce my brother in Christ, Christian Owenby. Yo, what's up, y'all? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm super excited. Thank you for being here. You're a very busy man. I'm trying. And so um, before I get to asking the preliminary questions, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, first off, uh, my name is Christian, like he said. Um, but I am a, I'm 23 years old. I make music. Um, I've been saved my entire life, as long as I can remember. Uh, but I wouldn't really claim it until oh. about, I don't know, like 14, 15. So I'll, I'll, coming up on 10 years you know, almost a decade of like truly, truly knowing who Christ is. Um, and yeah, I, that's just about all that's there. I'm a very busy man. I like to keep myself busy with other things. Um, <laughs> but um, other other than that, there's nothing much there for me. Uh, plug your music. I mean, yeah, obviously, like I said, I make music. Um, I love music. I've been making music for about, yeah. Uh, 11 12 years at this point almost um i've been writing for about eight or nine of those and um yeah my music uh you can find me on any platform um christian owenby o-w-e-n-b-y as the last name is spelled and i'm on any platform you can think of i actually just dropped an ep i think what at this point it's about two months ago um yeah so uh yeah it's a pretty cool project i like it <laughs> What's that? What song? Superpowers? Superpowers, yeah. So I wrote a song with my friend uh, Bamsy, uh, or Ade Bams is how his artist name is spelled. And so let us begin with the preliminary questions. I mean, you already answered one of them, but have you received Jesus Christ's blood sacrifice? Well, of course. Hallelujah. And now will you be I a faithful? Like that, <laughs> have well, you received yeah. his blood sacrifice? <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to really like <laughs> ask the question, because this is based off of Revelation twelve eleven that they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Oh, no, no. It's 1,000% biblical. It was just like, I don't know. I guess it's our it's our culture now. You yeah, because it's like, I know that's talking about like being saved. And that's like a prophetic word for like how the blood covered them in Exodus for the Passover. And now we're covered in the blood of Christ. Well, of course, like the Bible talks about how, you know, um, the only way to overcome sin is death. And the, the, the need for sin to be covered in order to enter the kingdom of heaven needs the blood to be shed so so when we were sacrificing animals we were sacrificing those animals in our place so now it's you know jesus overtook that sacrifice that sacrifice for us that's why they call him the sacrificial lamb because he has taken the place of the lamb just as the lamb took the place of us i like what it says there too in hebrews 10 it talks about how he's the eternal blood sacrifice so that's why we don't ever need to like Exactly. To keep on sacrificing animals. Because there's like, um, Jesus says to himself that he didn't come to 
do away with the law, but he came to fulfill it. And so there are certain things that we don't practice in the law anymore simply because Jesus has eternally fulfilled those things. So it's like, what do we follow then if we're not under the law anymore? To not be under the law is to talk about how we're not justified by the law, nor does the law condemn us anymore because now we're in Christ who fulfilled the law. So if we become in him who has already fulfilled, then we become fulfillers by association. Mm. And so he's given us the grace to continue to fulfill the law when we submit ourselves to him. So yeah. that's a beautiful thing. And I think, I think another thing that's really beautiful about um, Jesus coming to fulfill the law is that, you know, the law is something that um, people like to talk about a lot in terms of, oh, the law means nothing. Um, and that's uh, not the truth. <laughs> what are we following? It's, um, so, so, I mean, it's like it's kind of like one of these things like um, my mom always taught me like that. The law is like. If you look at it from a relationship standpoint, mm-hmm. right, it's like if God is your father. And your father gives you a set of rules to follow. You should do your best to follow them because you love your father. It's, it really is as simple as that. If you know these things please him, you should try to be doing them. Um, I mean, and obviously, if you look at the law, it's almost like if you read it, you're like, it's almost impossible. Oh. And in fact, actually, I would say it, it is, is impossible, impossible. Um, to, to completely follow it. But that's kind of the point. The point of it was like he made these laws and commandments for people to follow, knowing that they could not do it on their own. Um, and and it, it's kind of a, a thing that trips people up because they see, they see Christianity as a set of rules, right. but it's not. But that's why I love that Jesus came to fulfill the law so that knowing that we could not. So his sacrifice becomes that much more important to us because without him, we still fail. Um, and and it doesn't it doesn't mean that you shouldn't follow the law that it you know isn't important or um, that we shouldn't try to please God by following things that we know are of Him instead of following the things that are sin because we've been giving the guidelines for what those things are. Um, but it does mean that we have a connection to Christ in a way to get out of the, our mess ups. Amen. And so. I want you to, um, to talk about your testimony. And so the last preliminary question really is just, will you be a faithful witness to the testimony that you're about to tell us? I mean, of course. Um, it just depends on where you want me to start, for real. <laughs> well, I like how in the introduction you let us know that you had been saved your entire life, but you wouldn't have claimed it until uh, 2010, 11. I mean, I would say around then, but I mean, I, didn't, I don't think I would really start taking it serious until it was high school. But. Okay. I am here often that it's like um, growing up, you know about Christianity, you know about God, but then it's like a point where he becomes your God or he becomes God to you. Even Jacob had an instance like that where he wakes up or he has a dream where he sleeps on a rock. And then, um, yeah, like he just picks up a rock. He puts it down. He's like, I'm going to use this as a pillow. He goes to sleep and he has a dream of God. And that's where we see um, Jacob's ladder. He sees angels ascending and descending. And yeah. he wakes up and he's like, whoa, God has been here this entire time I didn't know. And he began to fear the Lord from that instance. And then he makes a vow to God, like, hey, God, you know what? If you will be true to what you said that you would do to me, if, I will, if you would bring me back to my father's land, if you would prosper me, he says, then you will be my God. And mm-hmm. then I will give you a tithe of all. Mm-hmm. And so he had this encounter that made God real to him. And I think a lot of us come to that point. Is that what happened to you? 
Um, I think I think kind of. Okay. Um, I think that it's kind of weird for me to think about it sometimes. Um, just because, and I, I mean, I mean, y'all can't see him, but my homie Gabe is over here in the back. You shout know, out to Gabe. Shout out to Gabe, you know. Uh, and I've had conversations with him, especially at like, we'll go like out to dinner or something after church. And, um, I remember a specific conversation where he talked about what is your testimony? I was like, oh, I don't really feel like mine is that special. Um, and I kind of, I kind of got rebuked in the moment. I was like, what do you mean? Um, how do you, what do you mean it's not special? And I mean, it kind of made me realize how I didn't treat it as special because there's so many people going through the exact same thing, especially in America. Um, but that's what makes it special is that because I can overcome it, so can all of those other people. Um, yeah. And, and I, I never thought about it that way because I guess it just seems so basic, I guess. Or I didn't like complaining about where I had come from to where I am now because I'm very grateful for the things that I have now. So going back to it is kind of weird. But um, some of the things in my testimony really start from, I mean, even as far as I can remember. Like um, I would say as a kid, I dealt with anger a lot. Um, I dealt with, um, you know, my, my biological father was in my life. Um but obviously when I was two or three, I didn't know how lacking that relationship was. Um, did not, you know, air out dirty laundry about him or anything. But he's not the greatest father. In fact, most people probably wouldn't claim him as one at all. Um, and, you know, I grew up with him in my life, but it was very protective of that. And you, you looking at that now, being raised by a single mother at the time, you can kind of see the fruition of that anger as a child because you had no guidance of, of a man. And, and the guidance of men that I did have was, at the time, very temporary. Uh, my, mom, my mom um, got married when I was about five or six and was only married to that man for about, you know, a year or so. It, it, give or take. I don't remember the exact times. But um, needless to say, up until my, my stepfather, who I consider my father, came into my life, I had no real full example, but my brother, and my brother was an angsty teen. Get me? <laughs> so um, I dealt with a lot of anger, and especially around that issue. I never knew why, but I, I, I did. I felt angry. I felt like um, for some reason that nobody understood. Like I never, I, per me, myself didn't understand why uh, I didn't get to see my dad as much as, other people and then it, at some point you know when I was six or seven my dad was arrested that was the first knowledge that I had of my dad being arrested even though he had been multiple times um but you know him not being there I was like why don't I get to see my dad everybody else has a dad and that felt as a kid it felt very um you, you start to feel alone you start to feel like you're not known even though you have people even though there's people around you I was saying you start to feel alone and um, not wanted, not understood, not known. And um, I feel like it really started around there, but I didn't have a grasp of it until much later. Um, and I think my first huge encounter with God was actually Fusion Camp. Um, I would say that was the first time I was like, God. What year was that? Uh, I was fifth grade, the end of fifth grade. So I was going to sixth grade, so what, like two, 2010, 2011? I was around there. Um, at the time, you know, my mom, my mom had just um, 
gotten with my stepdad at the time a couple years prior, and they were lo- we were looking for a home church. We went to churches around the area, mm-hmm. and it was right about the time where we had started that, uh, you know, World Harvest, where I go, is is the home church. And so my mom decided to, you know, take me on a, a trip, you know, kind of meet the kids and stuff like that. And um, the trip was cool, um, but I remember the first time was we were doing worship, and for some reason it was just like, as a child, I didn't recognize what it was immediately, but like it was the presence of God where I, I just like instantly just felt like relief of things. Uh, I started crying. Um, and at first I see other people around me crying. And as a kid, I'm like, oh, I'm just crying because other people were crying. But like looking back on it, it was it was not that at all. Like I was like, I couldn't, couldn't I had to express praise. It was it was something I had never understood. Um and I mean, I know now that it was the presence of God, and I gave my life then. That's why I say I gave my life at like 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, naturally, you know, you start to get busy in life. and you know, As a kid, you're not really in control of when, when or where you go to church. Um, and I, I don't want to say I stopped going, but I had um, sports and things like that. And, you know, I couldn't just go on a Wednesday night or a Sunday. I had meets and and um, games and whatnot, and things like that. What kind of brought you back to uh, the church and the ministry after having gone through that, where it's like, okay, I have other things that you're going to put before what we would call just building up our relationship with the Lord? What brought you back? Uh, I think the answer is something actually much more, um, much more material. Um, in fact, um, I think a lot of people like go back to church because they want something spiritual, obviously. Right. Um, but I actually came back to church because of sports. Um, so sports and music. So in middle school, um, I. How do I say this? I got hurt. <laughs> Torres Achilles. Get some. Oh, okay. no, no, I wish. Gosh, that would have been a lot better. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was in wrestling. I was a wrestler and uh I wrestled for two major years of my life in sixth and seventh grade. And I basically, at the, around the same time as you go into middle school, um, I started band. And that was when I really started taking music serious. I had always been a singer. I always sang a lot. But that was when I was consistently doing music stuff. I started playing guitar and, and whatnot and those things. And I ended up getting a break in my arm the first year of wrestling. So I had to stop the rest of the season. And then the next year, uh, I was at state qualification, and I hurt my knee. Uh, messed up some muscles here and all that. Um, and basically, my mom said, we're not paying these ER bills anymore. <laughs> so, so I mean, that, that really hurt me because, um, and I don't know how much of y'all or really anybody at church really knows this. I mean, I know they know I like sports, but, like, my dream in life was to be an analyst. I wanted to be, or a commentator. Um, I really wanted to be, like, the guy you see on ESPN watching the game, like a Kirk Herbstreet or something, you know? That was, like, my, my dream, or I wanted to do that because I always loved the breakdown of sports and things like that. I always thought it was cool, and uh, my parents always, my parents and my family always used to make fun of me for it because they would be like, he's just, like, knows everything. He knows, the like, the perfect stat. He can tell you what happened in that game in 1984. <laughs> like, it was, I was that kid, and... So, like, not being able to play sports or pursue sports was a lot rougher on me than a lot of other people, a lot of other kids that, you know, stopped at the time, probably by choice. 
Um, but I still had music, so I started pursuing music. And um, I started writing at the end of probably eighth grade, like the second half. Mm-hmm. And my mom was telling me, oh, why don't you go sign up for the worship team? So I was like, oh, okay. You know, I was like, whatever. I'll go do it just because they wanted me to. And I ended up trying out. And, of course, they were like, you have to join. And I'm, I'm pretty sure anybody that tried out was joining at the time. <laughs> was There was no youth band at all at the time. I think Gabe, Gabe hadn't even started percussion stuff, and they wanted him to play box drum. He was, like, interested in playing. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted him to play. But, um, but that really got me going consistent because I had something to go to. Um, and then I think because I was understanding what, where and what I was doing, I really connected then. Um, and that was a very, at a stage in my life where the anger that I used to deal with, I, I was at the fruition of really being angry. Um, and the boiling point, if you will. Um, and I, I had come to terms with a few things in my life, um, that I didn't want to be angry anymore. I didn't want to lash out. I didn't want to do those things anymore. And, um, I, it was really exposed to me what that root was. And it was the, like I said earlier, the desire to, to be known, to be understood for somebody to, to care enough to listen. Um, and I didn't really feel like I had that. Um, and I just remember God telling me that, um, there's a scripture in Psalm 139 and it says, um, that God has examined so your heart, and I like that wording because um, not only has He seen your heart, but He's examined it. Right. Like He's, it's like if you go into surgery, you don't just like look at the uh, a heart and be like, oh, okay. It's like you look at every aspect of it analyze and analyze and see what's wrong and see what's what's good and what's bad and what's broken and what's not, mm. um, and. And it, but it doesn't just say he examines your heart. He says he knows everything about you. He knows absolutely every positive thing. Even even the places, and it goes later on in that passage to say, like, even in your darkest moment, even in your, like, um, you, the place that you dwell, your, uh, I forget the exact wording, but it's like the dwelling place or something like that. Um, but he talks about how even then he is your guiding hand. So for me it was like I had this revelation of, of God really guiding me and trying to lead me through that because he knew where I was. It, it, he knew what I was struggling with. He knew that I was angry about the things that I was living with. And uh, he was like, just follow me. It doesn't matter, no ma- it doesn't matter how dark of a road. Um, and I was like, okay. So I, I decided to start following him and um, – Later on, I had an experience at a at a. Uh, I forget his name, but he's he's a guy. He comes here a lot, and he's prophetic. He can tell you something that you're like really into, and he's like something in your life. No, uh, white guy though, played baseball. He used to come to the youth ministry all the time. You know who exactly who I'm talking about, but I'm forgetting his name right now. Shout out you. You helped a lot. <laughs> but but um, I remember it wasn't even directly. But he um, had spoken to somebody in our in our church about their father, like just prophesying and praying over them privately. And I had just overheard it because I was worshiping. And he said something about 
this this person's father had died and was gone, and um, he couldn't have possibly known that information. It was it was it was one hundred percent given to him um, by God, and he had never met this girl, so obviously there's no way, unless somebody had just told him. And why would they go out of their way? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, that's not something you really just go talk to people about. Yeah, that girl's dad. Yeah, no, no, it don't work that way. Yeah, yeah, that, that girl's dad died like five years ago, <laughs> in a pri- in a pivotal moment in her life. Yeah, no, that's just not how people work. But um, but I remember he was like, God is telling me your dad is looking at you right now, and that he loves you, and then like all these things about like things that she couldn't, he could not have known. Like even if people told him that situation, it was things that like only. Like things that he would call her, stuff like that. Like, yeah, it was it was a big deal. Okay, and I remember sitting there. I was like, man, like, I remember looking at that. Like, well, at least I have a figure. Like, this person is 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 doesn't have one. And I remember at that moment, like, I've okay. I never claimed to see the face of God or anything like that, but I remember having this shadow behind me. And I was like, what in the world is this? And But, like, it was warm. Yeah. It was a warm shadow. Like, it wasn't, like, a, like, an eerie or, like, a bad feeling. But I just remember feeling, like, arms wrap around me. And I legitimately thought somebody was there hugging me. Like, it's, like I guess, seen my emotion or something like that. And I just opened my eyes for a second and nothing's there. And I was just like, what was that? And I, I just remember getting, like, this this revelation that like you know you have you you've always had me you've always had me you you know i i've protected you i'm guiding you and i think that was the real moment where i was like yo this is this is something i have to pursue uh i ended up changing so much about my life um i focused almost directly on music and and making it for him um you know it looked a little different back then but <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was that was that's the main thing. Um, my my big my big overcoming moment was was that anger of being misunderstood, um, and I had I had a revelation that that testimony is important because of something he told me was that your misunderstanding will help them, the people that you speak to, know me. Your what how you felt misunderstood will be the reason that they get to know me because you got to know me. So if you can know me, then they can. Um, and that that's the big the big thing for me. One thing that I do want to mention is uh, I have a couple of favorite verses and two of them are found in um, 2 Peter chapter 1. And so it's verses 2 and 3 and they kind of just relate to the fact that as we grow in knowledge of him, we grow in life and godliness and grace and peace. And so grace and peace is something that the devil tries to, you know, fight against our lives or fight against us receiving in our life. And so he does that by perverting God's design. Like man comes from the Lord. That's an office that God creates males to fill. And so if you're not living as a man of God, you're not living as a man at all. Same thing for being a woman. Right. And so what the devil does is he goes and he messes up the structure and he'll he'll get to the, the children as well. Because the children are the ones that carry the torch, right? They can carry yeah. the torch of the fire of God or the torch of hell flames. And so it's like, okay, well, if we mess up the next generation, all it takes is one to, to just screw up the rest of the bloodline, right? And so yep. 
when the devil gets in like that, he'll fight the family structure to get to the kids. 1,000%. I mean, you could see it in our society right now. I mean, 70% of kids don't grow up, with, grow up without a father. Right. Or not even just a father, or just a single parent. Yeah, just all these single parent households where a woman is not fit as God has like honestly just designed them to be to fulfill both roles. It takes no. both parents. And you want to know what? A man isn't fulfilled, designed to fulfill a woman's role either. Yeah. It doesn't mean that, you know, you can't get by or that you can't do a good job raising a child by yourself. Right. My mom did a, an excellent job. Yeah. You know, I mean, not to my own horn or anything. I, I mean, I agree with but, you. But you know what I mean? Like, I mean, she, she stepped up where she had to. Right. And, you know, she did what she had to do for her family. Um, but, you know, it doesn't mean that it, since my mom has been married and, and, and I've had a male figure. Yeah. You know, it was it was a lot easier. Hallelujah. And and I see that in my own life too, where like my brother, you know, when my mom got with my stepdad, my brother was, you know, just going into high school. So like me being young, super young, I had a figure. Whereas my brother, you know, in formative years didn't. Or at least not one that he trusted enough at that time. Right. Now, yes, he does, but you know what I mean? It, I see how the, the the decisions that he made in his life versus compared to mine. Mm. They're both good and bad. Mm. So um, it definitely changes something. Yeah, and I was going um, to add to what you're saying, right? It's just that the absence of God's structure, it definitely does affect the children. And um, mm. what you were sharing about earlier reminded me of another young guy who's in the church right now, growing up in the church. And he's an awesome kid. He has an awesome mom. And he's a single family or single parent household that he's growing up in. And he didn't have a lot of time to spend with his father. And his father is now currently absent from his life. And, is, and he's absent from like having a male figure within the house right now because his yep. mom is still single. Yep. And so like I've just I've heard and I've been told about how the devil is attacking him at that. Right. He was go, he's going through the same thing that you were dealing with. Right. Like, why don't I have a dad? I'm seeing all these other kids with a dad. You know, he comes to a church where there are two parent households. and He's just wondering, like, where's mine at? And so I just um the mother reached out to me to just kind of talk to him about it. And I just wanted to, like, I just literally, I just had to share with him. Well, you know, God says that in the Bible that, or I want to start with Jesus. Jesus says in the Bible, when his uh, mother, brothers and sisters come up to him while he's preaching. And so they're like, Jesus, there's your family. They're trying to talk to you. And he's like, well, who is my mother and brother and sisters? And so he points to his disciples and he says, truly, these are my mother and brothers and sisters. Yep. Why? Because those who are my true family are the ones that do the will of my father. And so I was like, honestly, this is a tough thing, but I was just telling him, right, that yeah, it's if a tough you, thing for a kid to hear. Yeah, if, if I, your I father taken that. if your father is not doing the will of God, I would say really, if your dad is not doing the will of the father, then you yep. can't even consider him. Far from it. Right? <laughs> He's not even a brother, right? <laughs> I could say so much. <laughs> wow. And see, then I wanted to I brought up to him as well how like Jesus says, Don't let anybody call you father. Or don't call anybody father because you only have one father and it's God in heaven. And so I was like, let's put both of those verses together is what I told him. It's like, if God is your one true father in heaven, then every time you allow the devil to tempt you to be sad about not having a dad in the house, what are you showing God? That he's not your father. Exactly. Yep. And I, I wish I would have known that, especially um, at his age. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to, we're confirm, not using but anyway, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I know exactly who you're speaking on. Um, and it goes for a lot of kids, not just one, yeah. but, um, I, it, I know it affected me in ways that I couldn't even, I didn't, some ways I didn't even understand until recently, mm. like 
I remember there's things um, that you know when you start growing up, you start learning about the sins of your parents. Like it's it's really it's really um, whether your parents are in your life or not, you you grow up and you realize how people work. And there was things I knew about my dad when I was young, but they pale in comparison to the things that I know now. And I'm like I said, I'm not trying to air out his dirty laundry or anything. Right. Um, but but my point is is that you make mistakes in your own life. And if they even slowly relate to them, boom, condemnation. And I'm telling you guys right now, the devil loves condemnation because he will convince you. He will convince you that you, like, um, I hate to bring up Gabe again. I mean, I don't. I, I love the man. I love the man. But I have conversations with him probably more than anybody about this kind of thing. Um, but, like, the Bible talks about uh, wolves, wolves in sheep clothing. But, like, um, you know, you start to convince yourself that uh, you are that. Um, and even if you aren't, even even if you've been redeemed, you start to not forgive yourself because you don't want other people to see the bad things that you did. Um, and like I said, even that conversation about, you know, the testimony, not feeling it's special, it's condemnation because you don't want see p- people to see the bad things that you d- at once did. Right. Um, and the devil wants to keep you from that because he knows the things that – that God will help you overcome is what's going to save them. Um, and so you start to feel like you're, you convince yourself that you're a wolves in sheep clothing, but you're really like a sheep being, you know, guided by the shepherd, but you're putting like the clothes of a wolf on, like you're putting the fur of a wolf on and disguising yourself as that because you see yourself as that. And condemnation is evil, but like you see the, I see sins that my dad committed and things that I know about that nobody else does. Things that, um, you know, have been told to me. Things that I found, whatnot, whatever. Um, like, I even even recently, like, within, like, a month or so, I found something about my dad. And, I, like, when I found it, like, my gut wrenched. Um, and, and I look at sins of my own life and things that I've done. And you do that one thing, and then you go, oh, man, I'm, I'm looking in the reflection. And I'm seeing him. You know what I mean? And and it keeps you from moving forward. That's why it's so important to, to ha- like you said, recognize him as your father above everyone else because family is not blood. People talk about blood being family, but it is not. Because in, in, th- in that scripture is so heavily because it weighs heavily on me and a lot of other people that have gone through similar things because you hear that him say about uh, my true family is those who do the will of my father. And doing the will of your father starts with being covered in the blood of Jesus. So when he says that your family is in the body of Christ, he literally means it because what we consider family is blood. You know, your father, your mother, your sister, and your brother, you know, that's blood. But family goes deeper than that because now we are all made, we are all seen as, as one body of Christ. So it's, we are considered blood, you know. Um, so it's, you know, my, just the same way, I, I talk about it now as like my 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 stepdad, my dad is more of my dad, more family to me than my actual father. Yeah. Because family is more than that. I like to say it as um the blood is thicker than blood. blood. Yeah. yeah, the blood is thicker than blood. Um and that's that's kind of ironic because <laughs> it doesn't quite work, but I get what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> Uh, you know, because it, it it was actual blood that was shed, but <laughs> but but you're right. The bl- the blood of Jesus is much more than 
what a bloodline can tell about you. And um, thinking about it now, this just crossed my mind, but I remember going to family functions uh, on my dad's side of the family. And I remember being feeling, me and my brother specifically, felt very outcast. We didn't do anything wrong. You know, my, my dad was, you know, the, the convict. My dad was the, the one, you know, stealing from people and whatnot and doing the things that he shouldn't have been doing. Um, but somehow, we were the ones that got lashed out as. You know what I mean? They didn't necessarily treat us badly, but, you know, you see people in the corner talking about it. Yeah. You see people, um, you know, kind of not treating you the same as other family members um, and things like that. And you start to see yourself as them. And that, that's where that, that root starts. And, and, and when you get saved in that moment, it's hard. Because you every time you sin or you mess up, you start to see yourself as the worst version. Um, it's something that I've had to overcome, and that's why that scripture in Romans is absolutely amazing. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Um, because, because, like I said, the devil wants to convince you. He wants to convince you that your, your sin is is or the sins that you had are so bad that no one will see you the same and that, that's simply not the truth i mean you you are overcome like you have overcome sin through him so and this is perfect for us to understand those things because you can never just tell somebody okay you need to do this you need to do that because you're telling them to change your actions but you can't truly change your actions until you change your mindset you you can't you can't act on something if you don't understand it. Right. You know it, it ha- because it's like I feel like um, I have this conversation with uh, my uh, ministry partner all the time. Right, right when we first started, not not as much recently because he's gr- grown as a man and so have I. And this is something we're not we don't deal with anymore. But I remember um, a specific instance um, about you know the difference between empathy, sympathy, and apathy. And I feel like a lot of Christians have. Um, I say that like so judgingly, <laughs> but it's judging righteously, I promise. Um, I feel like a lot of Christians are apathetic. And the reason is, is like, um, especially in the Pentecostal movement. Um, and I'm not saying that because I'm a Pentecostal, all right? I'm not, okay, listen. But I feel like, like, let's take sickness, for example. Let's say you got sick, Lord forbid. You come to me, man, I'm not feeling good. Which one sounds better? Well, you know, the Bible says that sickness is not your portion or you just don't have enough faith. (laughs) Both are true. (laughs) They are the exact same statement, but but one uplifts you and the other convicts. It condemns you. It's not conviction. It's it's condemnation. So so and that's why people are so afraid because you you don't follow that thing. They see it as a set of rules. They see it like the law to people is is how Satan tries to twist things into condemnation. He takes what the law is that you're supposed to follow because he knows it's of God. So he tries to follow it. Oh, you're not of God anymore because you fell you fell through this. Yeah. And and um it's it's a big issue when you talk that way to people because because how are they supposed to overcome something if you're just telling them that they don't, they just don't have enough faith? You're just def- feeling, making them feel defeated. Right. Whereas if you're empathetic or sympathetic even, you can say, the Bible says this. Right. I know this is hard. The Bible says this. Yeah. 
And it's like, okay, one way is giving them understanding and the other way is just telling them you need to do this, right? Or this is what you're not doing. Exactly. And 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 it's like then you they look and that's why so many people think Christians are judgy. And I say that in quotations because you're supposed to criticize somebody that knows better. Um, that, that's this right. conversation so many people are not ready for. But including Christians, just because you do something wrong, somebody can point it out, y'all. It's not It's not you judging me. I'm judging you righteously, meaning I know you know the word of God. And you know what's right and wrong. And me pointing it out. That's true. Because it says that, like, um, in, the, in the dissertation about not judging unless you be judged, it's just about talking about being a hypocrite. It's like, how are you going to try to remove a speck out of one person's eye when you have a beam in your own eye? It says, first, remove the beam in your own eye. Then you can properly assist or, uh, you know, remove the speck out of your brother. So it's like, get yourself corrected, and then you're fit. In other words, convict yourself Ooh. and and go to God. And, and, and acknowledge that you have either struggled with something or are struggling with something and 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 give that to god because if if you don't then you can't judge righteously it's it, at that point it does become condemning someone um and like i said that's why i feel like it feels so apathetic to people when they start to see it as judging because they don't understand that you're coming from a good place because simply because of how you word something um and it, it does change a lot um and like I said, if I said one of those things to you versus the other, your entire mindset of it would change. Yeah. So it is on us as people, as Christians, to get someone to understand so that they can, we can guide them, that we can be the guiding hand to God, to Jesus. So it's, it's, um, it's important that we approach people with love. Like, Jesus was harsh. I think people see Jesus uh, and they go, oh, Jesus was so loving. No, Jesus was plenty harsh. And he said it like it is. But he struck compassion. Of course, and and he struck them with that same passion, and he he also came from a place where he could, of course, judge righteously. He's perfect, <laughs> so it's like it's a little different. But at the same time, he also approached people completely differently. Some people he he because he knows those people. He knew he knew everything about them. And he didn't approach the Samaritan woman the same way that he per approached um, the the woman that touched the garment mm -hmm. with the issue of blood um, or the uh, centurion. He didn't approach them the same way. They were different people. Um, and but he was he approached them the way that they he knew that he could reach them. So if you know somebody is is dealing with something that's rough, why are you sitting there just? giving them a, a blanket statement you know what i mean oh you need to have more faith or or um go read the word more i mean yeah sure that's the answer but point them to a place yeah. give them understanding give them a, a guide it's our job to 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 lead people so i feel like the biggest thing for me is that i feel it is very important in terms of talking about condemnation and, 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 and being known by God and and also dealing with the fact of repentance probably isn't going to happen once. Um, and you're going to repeat that cycle. Um, I think the biggest edifying thought is how you fill your time. Um, for me, in particular, um, 
I have to serve a lot. I serve probably five or six times a month, which for some people like you is nothing. But, but yeah, but like for me, but for me, you have to look at it as like I have two jobs and, um, you know, a, a father with, with stage four. And, you know, a lot of my time is taken. So for me to sacrifice my own rest time to do those things, serving became important to me. Because you don't want to go to church on a Wednesday. Um, and I think my biggest edifying thing to, something to hold on to from this is that if you are feeling not known, if you are feeling misunderstood, condemnation, <laughs> it's, a, it's a blanket statement, but I'll explain it one more. Go to church and serve. Um, you will learn more about yourself and other people by treating them. And, and and doing the things that you would want done to you. I mean, it is the golden rule. Yeah. Um, and I, I say that because me serving is what brought me to Christ. Me being in an area of serving is what gave me my relationship. I feel like a lot of other people meet God before they start to serve. Mm -hmm. But for me to really have that connection, I started with serving. With that intention. Um. And even if I didn't fully understood it, it's what brought it me to it. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's the first step that you have to take in order to feeling that way because you start to realize what people go through. And if you want to be known, you have to try to know others. Um, and, and for me, that starts with serving. Whether that's being a greeter and just saying hi to somebody or doing a job that has nothing to do with that, like security. Or um, outside of church, maybe just go, go to like a soup kitchen or something. Um, and that sounds like a really small thing, but that big, that small thing is how you connect with people. And the more you connect with people, you see the things that people go through versus what you go through. And you start to connect the dots that, number one, you're not alone. Number two, somebody probably does understand. And number three, more importantly, that God knows and he understands. And... He knows how you feel, and he will guide you out of it. And to top that off on the condemnation, and it's going to be a cycle of, of if you fail, you're going to see those things. And uh, you don't want people to see that. But at the same time, you have to know that God has already seen it, number one. He, he knows all things. He's omnipotent and, and omniscient. And... If God knows it and is willing to forgive you for it, it starts with forgiving yourself. And then if if it's something that's really bad to the point where you feel like you can't get it, go talk to somebody. I feel like people are, that's the big thing is you never communicate that you did something and then it just eats at you. Yeah. And and that's where the condemnation starts. Because a lack of confession. A lack of confession. And it's, and it's not that you haven't confessed it to yourself. You know, because you know you did it, and that's the problem. Yeah. And, and, but no, you're supposed to hold up this image. You're supposed to hold up this image as a believer. And it's not to say that um, we should just air out every bad thing that we've done to everybody. If you sin, if you decide to sin again, that there's a, there is a communication line there. Um, or the uh, word that we like to use, uh, accountability. 
Um, it's a big, a big thing, especially um, as a Christian. You got to have somebody to, to go to and not just somebody that's on your level. Um, those are important to have, but somebody that you look up to that you know is going to hold you accountable. Like uh, it doesn't have to be a pastor or something. It can be, but it needs to be somebody that you can mentor you in a way to push you always in the right direction. Um, counselors, yes. Um, that's a really nice word. I like counselor because, but I'm, let's, let's clarify. It's not like a, not necessarily like going to see a counselor at a meeting, but somebody to counsel you. Um, yeah, but um, it's a big, that's a big, thing for me I think the, the, the two things is just serve um, and put yourself in a place that you can learn because if you do that you will realize the things that you feel you're probably not alone in it um, and then you can find people that have overcome it and that's that that next step you can overcome the con condemnation by having people to go to and and realizing that a lot of the things that we're worried about in life are material and overall in the grand scheme of things very easy to overcome amen. amen well thank you all for listening and watching this podcast i hope it blessed you i hope the words of owen be here could have touched your hearts and as he watered you i just thank you um if you would just continue to um just believe and have faith right because faith is a victory that overcomes the world and if this did bless you, could you let us know how in the comments? I would ask that you would please like this, share with a friend, share with your pastor, share with counselors, share it with your brother, your sister, anybody, and just get the word out. And so this is Christ is all, and thank you for watching.